Welcome to the Mind Takeaway podcast with your hosts, Mira and Peter. We celebrate what it is to be human in an age of technology, digitization, and information overload. In each episode, together with our guests, we go on a deep exploration of resilience, creativity, leadership, authenticity, passion, and intuition, while encouraging others to do the same. What underpins all of our conversations is human connectedness, collaboration, and community. Hi, in this episode, we speak to Jonathan Miller, a high-performance coach who helps impact-driven entrepreneurs optimize their business and their life. His programs draw heavily from his extensive experience in several communication systems, including nonviolent communication, the Harvard Negotiation Project, Landmark Worldwide, and more. His methodology is also heavily influenced by Vipassana meditation practice, of which he has spent 2,000 hours practicing. Enjoy listening. Hello and welcome to the Mind Takeaway podcast. Today we are talking to Jonathan Miller, leadership coach and a conflict transformation specialist. Welcome, yeah, Jonathan. Welcome. Thanks, thanks for having me here. I'm excited to chat with you both. Yeah, we, we had a little chat, I would say well, a few weeks ago or maybe a month ago yeah. and we were just getting to know each other. And uh, it, was really, it was really interesting to hear from you the work that you do uh, in, uh, especially in conflict transformation situations. So uh, it would be cool to hear from you if you can tell us a little bit more about your work and what you do. Primarily, I've, I work with one-on-one clients. Uh, I've been focused on working with entrepreneurs and leaders in general. Um, And, you know, with conflict transformation, conflict is just something that everyone experiences in their life. And no matter what I end up working with somebody on, it could be around their business. It could be around, uh, I think it's mostly their business is is a, a main attractor for hiring a coach. I'd say nine out of the 10 issues that we end up dealing with are communication issues. And really dealing with those difficult conversations that we have in our lives, how to handle them, and how to move forward in those relationships despite maybe some difficult circumstances. So what I focus on with my clients is really uh, making sure that they're masterful communicators, not just in terms of the words that they're using, the way that they're speaking, but who they're being in conversations. I think often about... um, this idea of, I, I teach workshops as well and, and facilitate those. And, you know, I teach some very practical tips like, yeah, you know, avoid using the words like always and never. It's like very triggering for people. And, uh, you know, th- those kind of very helpful tips and body language things as well. It's a huge field, right? But at the end of the day, when you're in a really difficult conversation, that stuff goes out the window. And you're not going to sit there thinking like, oh, yeah, look, they're using their arms and they're crossing (laughs) their arms right now. That must mean they're mad. And, oh, I I better drop my voice, make sure I have some more authority with my voice. Like, if you're thinking about all those things while you're in a conversation, you're not actually being present and it's going to go much more poorly. So communication, a huge part of it, at least for me and, and what I work with on my clients, is a way of being that you're showing up the mindset that you're taking with you, because that comes naturally to you. And you don't have to think about it. It's just who you are in those conversations. So that's just touching a little bit on the work that I do. Yeah. I love what you said there. And it sounds like, and again, you can tell me if I'm wrong, it sounds like you really point people to just listen, right? 
because as you said, I mean, we've learned that stuff as well. And I loved it, you know, body language and the kind of words, the language to use. But yeah, when you're in the thick of a heated discussion, and again, just for people hearing, it's okay. I think conflict, we talked about this last time. It's actually really healthy, right? Um, but yeah, when you're in the heat of it, the last thing you're going to be doing is, yeah, you've got your arms crossed, you know, and all of it. Yeah. So yeah. what would you say to people who may be suffering, maybe in a relationship, uh, in a business context, or they're a leader, and they, they seem to be in a lot of conflict? What, what would your starting point be in terms of how, how do you approach clients in that way when they reach out to help for you? The first thing to take a look at is, uh, you know, it's funny. I was just talking about this the other day um, in conversation uh, with my wife, who also, she works with social entrepreneurs. And so we talk a lot about this and she was talking to a social entrepreneur and the kind of some of the buzzwords that people use when a, a manager there is maybe in the office and they're faced with some issues around conflict or communication, what they search up is how to better manage my team. But what the coach really comes in and does is really looks at the leader and goes, how are they communicating really ineffectively? How are they showing up that's causing this mismanagement of the team? Now, the thing with kind of coming up with some general rules for the workplace, and this goes with any of our conversations, Uh, It's a really difficult question, I find, because every situation has such a different flavor and a different context. Every, even, even aside from the content, although there are some nice rules that we can use, we can talk about today, some really practical things for our listeners. uh, It's hard to kind of find like, you know, this is the four step formula when you face any conflict in the workplace, like follow these four steps and it's guaranteed to work. Now it (laughs) it doesn't work very well like that. Um, That said, there are some steadfast rules that you can follow when you are in the workplace. And one in particular I want to talk about is this idea of, and it's scientifically, it's known as the fundamental attribution error. And the fundamental attribution error is this fundamental error we make in terms of attributing cause to whether it's either a person or a circumstance. And I want to give you an example of how this shows up. Let's say you're at the grocery store you go up to the clerk and you say, hey, um, I can't find the pickles. Where can I find the pickles? And they go, ah, it's, it's just, it's an aisle four. You have to go down that way. And so my thought would be like, huh, that person's kind of a jerk. That is the fundamental attribution error because I assume that the way that they responded to me was because of who they were rather than maybe they got a poor sleep the last night. Maybe they just got some bad news from their manager. Maybe their kids are driving them nuts at home. Maybe they're going through a divorce right now. I don't know. But there's all these other environmental circumstances that could be playing a role, but we make this fundamental error and assume it's their bad intentions. So in terms of when we're in the workplace, that is what I would say 90% of relational conflicts have to do with is making that misintention. Now, a lot of workplace conflicts are systematic. You know, there's different teams competing for limited resources. No question about it. That's a huge source of conflict. And when it comes to an individual person, another individual person, often we have this fundamental attribution error and we see them as adversaries. And we just immediately put ourselves in a spot where we're against them 
rather than working with them against the problem. Mm. Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. And thank you. That's a really good point. I mean, I, I think that, yeah, if, if you put the brakes on and if you get people reflective, they can see that, that, you know, you end up in a conflict because you're, you're, you're looking at a problem rather than a human to human thing, you know, mm. and you lose connection. Exactly what you said. You, you, how can you connect? You can't resolve anything if there's any element of blame or you're, you're this way or that way, because it, it sounds like it's a very fixed state. And as we all know, emotions and thoughts and feelings, they're not fixed at all, right? They're a complete waveform and they're messy, but then that's the human condition and it's a good thing. So it sounds like you're basically pointing your clients to just being okay and actually showing up and being a bit more compassionate. And do you... Do you kind of explore anything about who they really are in terms of, because if you come in, you know, in a work context, we're always carrying a big shield up, right? Ego, all of this stuff. So does any of your work touch on that kind of thing? Because for me, when we work with clients, if they show up and they show their humanity and just they're comfortable in their own skin and they show up a little bit of what they do, what they like, you know, what what they are outside of work, usually people feel a lot safer, right? And you talk about teams, Surely, you know, creating psychological safety is probably a good thing, right? That reminds me, there's a, there's a bunch to unpack there. And that reminds me of uh, the Google Project Aristotle Project, yeah, Project yeah. Aristotle, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this 2009 survey they did about high-performing teams. And the number one factor of a high-performing team was that psychological safety, creating that space where we're willing to take risks. We know that we can say what we are thinking and not be judged for it. So yeah, absolutely. Psychological safety is a huge thing. And in terms of when I'm working with my clients, I think a huge part of that is a self-confidence thing. Mm. And it's not something that happens overnight. I had a client, I have a client who, um, she's uh, articling at a law firm and she has one of those bosses that are from the movies. Like this boss is the kind of boss that yells, that does these wildly erratic things. And now the courts are closed as well because, you know, we're in COVID, we're filming this during the COVID. So a lot of these courts are closed. And, you know, this guy, he, he, this is, that's where he lives. He loves being in, in the courtroom and he doesn't get to be there. And uh, she wanted to approach him to have this conversation, but she was absolutely terrified. She was absolutely terrified to have this conversation with him. And so I backed off. I said, okay, cool. Well, I mean, like, you know, what do you want to do instead? We talked about different alternatives, different strategies, blah, blah, blah. I spoke to her two weeks later. And she says, you won't believe what happened to me at work. I was sitting in his office and he started delivering some feedback to me. And I just broke down and cried. And I was crying and I really wanted to leave. And he said, no, no, tell me, what is it? And she shared with him that she was really intimidated by him and she was really worried that she was going to like let him down and not look good. And what came of that was him opening up about what he was dealing with. Turns out he was dealing with a really nasty divorce. He was having a falling out with one of his kids and he just wasn't doing well at that time. And, you know, just to your point, creating that space of vulnerability. A lot of Brene Brown's work is around this, right? Vulnerability seems like weakness to us, but to others, it seems like courage, right? 
um, and creating that safe space and feeling comfortable with yourself, having that self-confidence to be like, it's okay to actually open up. It's like humanity. It's like this common humanity. Um, and for some reason we have this story that it's, it's not, it, it is weird for whatever reason to experience this vulnerability. Um, but once we have that confidence to be willing to open up like that, yeah, it makes a huge difference in terms of being able to handle those conversations in the workplace, handle those conflicts and actually create really powerful partnerships as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, vulnerability has been something that we've been talking about, uh, quite a lot lately uh, and and it's interesting that I, I think I mean I would just really like to, to see what, what you what's your experience uh, I think that people people have this idea that vulnerability is bad because it feels uncomfortable uh, but but just because it feels uncomfortable it isn't a bad thing so when you talk about confidence to be open to vulnerability it doesn't mean that we have to feel absolutely thrilled about it but it's a confidence that you'll be okay regardless of what happens is is that what you're talking about absolutely yeah. absolutely yeah it, it's it's going to be uncomfortable mm-hmm. and I, I remember someone telling me about this idea that as a society we we've, we've become uh just we've become used to have being comfortable inappropriately comfortable mm-hmm when we should in fact be experiencing an appropriate discomfort. Yeah, <laughs> yeah then we expect to always be like that. And we, when we are not, uh, we think something's wrong either with us or with other people. So I think, yeah, it's a really great point. Thank you. Yeah, and it's a good reminder that this is what it is to be a human. I know we keep laboring this point. It always comes up in conversation, right? But that's it, that, you know, growth feels uncomfortable. Life sometimes is uncomfortable. But guess what? From a psychological perspective, we're actually built to deal with it, right? And I think, as you said, there, I think the more you're willing to just explore it and get curious about it, the less it's going to be a problem for you. And yeah, when when you look at that label of vulnerability, it feels like a lot of weight is attached to it, you know? But you're just being yourself. You're just being a human being. And it's not that difficult. It's just that we forget that when we go into a work context, we think or we, you know, we think we have to show up and put this huge mask on and pretend to be something that we're not. Mm. And what I wanted to ask you is, have you seen a massive shift with your clients? Because we have in terms of COVID hit, people are spending more time at home. And what really excited us is that people are, more willing to just be a little bit more relaxed about who they really are when they show up to work. And I think it's wonderful to see, you know, you can see people's living rooms. I mean, one person we were speaking to, right? So that the team did this wonderful thing that they each took a turn of giving them like a virtual tour of their house where they are, you know, just for the, yeah, just to say, look, this is a little bit about me. And you get a window into someone's personal life, which you probably wouldn't necessarily have got pre-COVID, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's um, a wonderful point. And I haven't noticed anything in particular mm-hmm. about that kind of thing. And I'm not surprised to hear that people are feeling a little bit more relaxed and comfortable seeing people on the, the camera and seeing kind of that that very familiar background uh, of their home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I actually, I noticed that a lot of newscasters too, 
I think that that's funny, right? Because you're seeing people on the news and they're like sitting in their apartment. I'm like, oh, that's like that newscaster's apartment. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, there (laughs) was one, I think, uh, I think BBC actually has it as an advertisement, uh, like a thing that goes around. like this guy said, oh, I'm in my kitchen, you know, and this one is is in her bedroom. And, you know, so uh, it is quite cool to see that we are all pretty much the same, isn't it? I, I had a question uh, that just popped in my head. There is lots of stuff that we are starting to talk about and saying that it's really important to tackle and in work environments right now. Uh, and, and it's to do with... Um, Black Lives Matter and getting the uh, work work environment is more inclusive and more diverse and 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 there is lots of questions that we need to you know start asking ourselves and people around us but I've also noticed that there is lots of discomfort into asking those hard questions uncomfortable questions uh, what would you you know, I was thinking, how can we start getting more comfortable asking those questions? Is there any icebreakers there? I think one important mindset to remember about those uncomfortable conversations and and really, this is this goes for kind of any time you're dealing with someone who's maybe not willing to be in conversation with you about things. Um, and it, it goes without saying for issues around social transformation as well. It's this idea that rarely are conflicts resolved in one conversation. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a conversation, the conversation, the larger conversation, I'm motioning with my hands, our podcasters can't see, but the, the, conver- the larger conversation is about racism yeah. in the workplace and addressing that. And through that, we're going to have lots of smaller conversations to get us there. So I I just wanted to set that context for us in terms of, you know, the fact that it's going to take longer than we think to make these changes. And it starts with one little conversation at a time that moves us to the place where we want to get to. Mm. In terms of feeling comfortable with it, you know, the thing is, is I've done a lot of uh, work and thinking about this kind of stuff. So at this point, I actually feel very comfortable with it. I'm fully aware of you know, my covert racism and so as a white person and how I'm contributing to this system and I benefit from it as well. So I imagine for me, it's not going to be that uncomfortable. However, a lot of people who haven't done this work, it's a very uncomfortable thing. It really depends on the workplace. You know, there's, you want to partner with your boss. You want to partner with HR. You want to, I think most importantly, get curious about where other people stand with this kind of stuff. I think that's going to make the biggest difference is having them feel at ease, psychologically safe in order to just start to bring up, hey, have you ever thought about this? Hey, would you be open to having a conversation about this? Why don't we set a time? I'd love to tell you a little bit about what I've been learning about um, and see what you think about that and how that might reflect for you. Um, and then again, slowly moving that needle more and more to a place where you'd like to see it go, where we actually live in a world that, you know, we're not racist and there's a post-racial society. It's, it's hard to even fathom because it's so enmeshed in our society today. Yeah, we, we live in, in, uh, in the past a lot, being humans mm-hmm. now. But yeah, I, 
it, it is really valuable to see that these conversations should be uh, past the judgment and go towards curiosity a bit more. But we are all learning. There is so much that we don't know. Yeah. You know what occurred to me as well? It sounds like we all need to take the responsibility to create the right conditions for that kind of safety and those kind of open conversations to take place. Because, I mean, I'll put my hands up, and again, no one can see me put my hand up, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I can think back in the workplace where I was blaming the management, you know, for the culture and all of that. And, yeah, they they have a, a responsibility and their weight, you know, depending on how senior you are, to make sure that the culture is going to change for the better in their company. But it also is an individual thing, Right. You know, we can't blame society as a whole if we as individuals are not willing to go into any un uncomfortable conversations. And I learned that a, a long time ago that I was wondering, I, got, I just got curious, why why was I avoiding it? And then when I started to tackle some of these situations, and as we pointed to before, they're not, they're not as bad as what I thought they would be in my head. You know, we always build these things up to be, oh my God, how can I get out of this? How could I even get to a resolution? And I loved your point that, Conflict itself can't just be resolved. Well, it could. It depends how complex it is and the issue, right? But what I'm saying is that it's actually okay. And, you know, we talked about this before. Surely, you know, if you've got an open, safe society or an open culture in your company, then conflict is going to happen quite often because people, I would hazard a guess, probably feel safe to actually throw the hat in the ring and just say what they feel. And I guess it's for us as you know coaches is to train more leaders to be able to be comfortable creating the right conditions for those facilitations of those conversations and not and not even have a i guess an outcome on it absolutely you know it reminds me of a, a great quote by gay Hendricks. It says behind every communication problem is a sweaty 10-minute conversation you don't want to have <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. it's by avoiding it we actually create conflict, isn't it? Cl conflict within us and then the conflict outside. Yeah, and yet those are precursors to having the thing, the result anyway. So we want kind of to get to that, that end somewhere, um, and then there's this conflict in the way, and so we'll do anything we can to move around it mm -hmm. to get to where we want to go. But that's just, that is not following the path of least resistance. Although it's uncomfortable, this path of least resistance, you're going to get there much faster if you kind of head into that conflict. I just kind of came with that visual now. I imagine the goal in front of me and like, you know, like in a video game, you have the boss right in front of you. And there are all these other alternate ways. They're yeah. much, much longer. And maybe they'll be, I highly doubt they'll be less painful. They'll seem less painful because they go all the way around to maybe get there instead of just kind of going through, fight the boss, get it done, and then move on. It's really interesting. And I think I've first time heard it the way you just explained it. I think it's actually really brilliant. Is that path of least resistance doesn't, doesn't mean to be uh, uh, uncomfortable. It doesn't mean to be all smooth and, and no no discomfort on its way. It just means that it's the fastest way to get somewhere. Yeah, mm. I've never thought of it in this way. It's quite brilliant. Mm. Thank you. Like ripping the Band-Aid. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and I, I'm just thinking, I'm just laughing because I'm thinking of situations where I was, you know, by duty care, I was look after a team and I was quite comfortable letting letting it just 
see what happened. You know, there was a bit of a conflict within the team. But then I got really uncomfortable in the middle. But that's the crucial thing, isn't it? It's just to embrace that and be like, well, I'd rather have that versus silence. And I wanted to talk to you about that because surely that's even more insidious and toxic when you go into an organization. And we've all looked at this, you know, as coaches and stuff like that, where no one's wanting to tell you anything. And I'm like, hmm, that's what I've got. Super curious. What 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 conditions have, you know, been created to get this far, right? That's silence. I mean, that's that's a no communication. So the no communication is probably the worst form of communication, although no communication in and of itself is a form of communication. And mm. that communication can speak volumes in certain situations, right? It can say, I don't want to talk about this. It can mean this is not worth my time. The main thing is that it's up for interpretation and that kind of muddies the waters a lot. Mm. Yeah. So we definitely always want to move toward being in communication and really in communication like speaking and listening that that second part that's the hard part um but um yeah it's interesting that you've experienced these times where there has been no communication at all and and i love where your mind went with that is how did we get to this point of no communication right do you have any exam do you have an example of kind of like what that what happened in that scenario where they got to that point like what was it yeah i won't, I won't name the company but it was um a situation where over many years the culture just shifted and it got to a point and i think it hit the nail on the head it's we can all make assumptions when there's no noise right and that's where it gets dangerous because it's better to ask the question you know you haven't I'm, i want to check in with you genuinely because it's gone quiet and and unfortunately the leadership team just innocently didn't do that and then they got really paranoid they did surveys did remote stuff that was very disconnected from humanity and paid a lot of money to bring in, you know, really good companies that can facilitate the data behind it. But that wasn't really the point, was it? It was to actually just go out there and have, you know, these leadership roadshows, um, whatever you want to call it, just facilitate some discussions with a demographic, you know, a good cross-section of the whole company and say, look, guys, just check it in for nothing on it other than it's gone quiet. I'm curious what's going on. And they didn't do this for a very long time. And it, and it was only until it was pointed out with some external help and a bit of compassion and a bit of love that they were like, ooh, didn't see that one. And it was a bit of a face plant. So it was mm. just, yeah, I don't know what reminded me of that, but it, it's actually quite easy to get into that because as you, as you said before, we get comfortable not actually dealing with stuff. And I'm pretty sure that the leaders did know what to do, but they just, like I say, they didn't check in and it didn't occur to them because they were kind of a little bit stuck you know they were sitting on the hands they were waiting for it to be resolved when mm -hmm. exactly what we've all been pointing to it's much better to just tackle it because what's the worst that can happen you know you might actually learn something even if it doesn't get resolved as we pointed to in the first few conversations i'm pretty sure by chipping away at it incrementally it's much better than looking at that massive problem as a huge load of bricks on your shoulders, which, you know, we all, we've all carried the burden as leaders, you know? Yeah. And I can't think of even how many times I've heard um, myself or my clients or just people around me say, after getting into one of those tough conversations ago, oh man, that was way easier than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, um, I, and I think we, we often, you know, we kind of don't want to 
we're scared of somebody was mentioning the, the word Pandora's box. We think that there is something horrible that's going to happen if we start looking in a certain direction. But actually, uh, you know, there's probably much worse stuff that, that happens if we don't open the box. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Right? Because then it, I mean, I think about a wound as well, right? Like, you know, you get a little bandage on mm -hmm. something. And if you're just like, oh, you know what? I think I'm just going to leave it like that for a while. I mean, it's going to fester. This stuff just gets stored. I mean, I, I, I feel like I'm talking to both of you. Mm -hmm. And I imagine our listeners are also kind of in the know about this. Like, we know that you don't want to bottle up those things. Like, I, I mean, this might be, it's, it seems like common sense to me. And it may be for our listeners and maybe not. And if it's not, don't do that. That is not helpful um, mm -hmm. because it's dragging on those conflicts actually makes it harder and harder for it to be resolved. There's this, there's this notion in the conflict management space called intractability. And intractability is this idea of conflicts that, and they really lie at the frontier of the field. They just, they seem to elude a resolution, even when all the best available techniques are applied. So some, some examples of that are, you know, some, we were talking about like racism and homosexual rights and abortion. But um, one, I, one I think about is the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. I mean, that thing has been going on for almost a century. Um, and it just seems, it seems beyond hope that we would be able to resolve that issue. Um, and although that's kind of more extreme example, the same thing happens on a micro level. When we don't address those conflicts, it just, the complexity adds because there's all these new events and new events and new events that pile on. Uh, and it makes it really messy to pick apart afterwards uh, and just makes the, the conflict all the more difficult to resolve at the end. Mm, it's a good point that, yeah, it just seems like it's such weight behind it that where do you even, and I can get that. I mean, there's that innocence of where do we even start? And I'm sure on both sides of the fence, I mean, I'm no expert on that conflict per se, but I'm sure on both sides, they didn't want it to get out of hand like it did, right? And I'm just, you know, what reminded me as well is, it's, it shows a lack of creativity when leaders don't allow conflict to just happen and then, you know, facilitate and see what happens because they're actually putting the lid on back on the box of the creative solutions on both sides of the fence that I'm sure would just naturally come out by having just normal human-to-human -human dialogue, right? Absolutely. And I love that you use the word uh, creativity because I'm, I'm a huge proponent that conflict is going to happen. You know, it's a normal, natural part of our lives. You, you both have experienced conflict. I've experienced conflict. I'm experiencing some sort of conflict in my life at this point. And I know for sure that I'm going to be experiencing conflict, whether it's internal or external or systemic, whatever it is, for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. So conflict really is inevitable. And the idea of trying to avoid something that is inevitable, I don't know. It seems kind of crazy to me. I don't want to be judgmental of anyone or... Uh, you know, for their beliefs, but it's definitely not a helpful way to see things, right? And so when we think about conflict as this inevitability, um, we can start to shift our mindset of like, okay, well, if it's inevitable, what am I, why am I avoiding this? How is that really helping me to avoid it? Because I know it's going to happen. And that's why I've really taken on communication skills. They've been mm. passionate for me. And specifically on how to resolve conflict, I've seen so much fruit come from that. 
And I want to give you a great example of what has come from being able to actually handle conflict really effectively in terms of a creative solution. So in January 2020, I, I moved with my wife to Cape Town, South Africa, never set foot in the country, nonetheless, the continent. And when we, you know, transitions are challenging for humans. Like, you know, transitions are really hard. I, I would like to consider myself great at transitions, but I didn't handle this one any better than I think anyone else would have. New country, new environment, new living space. I got to figure out what's going on at the grocery store. How am I going to run my business in different time zones? My fitness regimen, how am I going to handle that? I got to, I want to keep in touch with friends and family back home. I want to explore this new city I'm part of. There's a lot going on a lot of uncertainty, a lot of unknowns. And that's what makes transitions really challenging. And within the first few days of arriving here, I found a lot of tension building between my partner and I. It just didn't seem like we were communicating quite clearly enough. And you know, I'm a communication guy. She also has been on this journey with me and being uh, you know, a great, uh, great communicator and having an amazing relationship where we communicate really clearly. And it's just for whatever reason, we just, we had, there was this stuff coming up. There was conflict there. And this really came to, I remember there was a moment, I can't quite describe it, but I just, it was like, I threw up my hands. I said, okay, this isn't working. Some, something is up. Let's just put some time and schedule later today. And we're going to get to the bottom of this. Like, what is going on here? Like, we're like getting at each other. This is so odd. Now, that was a pivotal moment right there, just kind of calling a timeout, not letting it continue, actually getting in communication about the issue, right? Because otherwise, we would have just let it fester, let the bickering continue, the fighting continue, it would have built. And then it would have introduced this element called drama that we are all so familiar with in our lives. And I don't like drama. I don't think most people do not like drama. Unless and, it's on and, TV. Sorry? <laughs> Unless it's on TV. Unless it's on TV, which is a whole other ballgame, right? Because <laughs> those are, if you want to watch conflict be very, sold very ineffectively, just watch some reality TV. That's, uh, that's yeah, how you do that. Yeah. So what, what we did, though, is we actually solved it very effectively, I think. What we did is we booked some time and calendar. We sat down. We said, okay, what's going on? And we got to the bottom of it. It turned out to be just some issues with our scheduling. See, we're both professional coaches. We need spaces to talk to our clients that are in private. We also wanted to spend time together. We wanted to explore the city, do all those things I had mentioned. And we just were not communicating about that. And so we came up with this idea. And I know this is going to seem like really silly, but it was like a really big deal for us. And we decided at the beginning of every day, we wake up in the morning, we do our little routine, our meditation, and then we sit down together and for five, maximum 10 minutes, we look at our calendar and we just look at what's going on today. When do you have a call? Oh, at this time? Okay, I have it at this time. Who's going to get what space at that time? When are we going to go grocery shopping together? Get that stuff sorted. We look at the next couple of days as well, just to get a feel. And we do that every day. And it's been seven months and we're still doing that. This new creative solution that literally didn't exist in our lives. We had been together for almost seven years at that point, And never had we put in that idea until this conflict came up and we managed to resolve it through communication. And uh, now I can't really imagine living without this little routine of ours. 
Beautiful. That's a really good example, yeah. And the, uh, the opposite, I'm sure you wouldn't have let it fester because you're in the game of communication. But, yeah, the longer you leave it, right, how many times have you had a conflict with someone, and I'm guilty of it as well, where I can't even remember why we even got in the conflict in the first place, and then you just feel so foolish for wasting all that time. And I think it's a good thing for people to hear when you've got a business. I mean, I used to work with joint ventures and stuff, and the conflict between both parties, and then just realizing how childish it got because there was no actual just normal dialogue, and it was just a game of firing shots over each other's fence, you know? So, I mean, it's easy to get into, but it's also, just for people listening, very easy to get yourself out of it, right? By just, as you said, just taking that step of saying, right, this isn't working, let's chat about it, let's have a conversation, and let's just see where it goes, right? That first step is key. Yeah. Let's get in communication with each other. Because already there, there's something different is going to happen instead of the usual pattern of avoid, 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 passive-aggressive comments, sarcasm, avoid, 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 passive-aggressive comments, sarcasm, explode, <laughs> right? That's kind of yeah. the usual pattern. And the definition of insanity is repeating is, is repeating the same thing again and again, expecting different results. And I know for my whole life, I, that's the pattern that I followed. I would just avoid conflict. I'm a professional avoider of conflict. That is, and that is a habit that dies hard, let me tell you. So I still do it very well to this day. And I'm committed to doing something different. And I'm getting different results because of it. Yeah, it sounds like there's two bits there. There's awareness and then taking action now that you know, right? And yeah, the first step is definitely just being aware of it and getting curious and going, okay, why is that happening? And yeah, we're all guilty of it, right? I mean, we were doing it before this podcast, to be fair. Like. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's interesting, but you know, I think that that puts a very different layer of the word forgiveness. Uh and I, I think where, where people a lot struggle and, you know, people that I, that I used to work uh, in the past as a therapist as well, is that people think that forgiveness is something that, uh, you know, if I, if I forgive somebody, same thing will happen again to me. I'm going to, you know, it all becomes about me. But when we understand that forgiveness comes from understanding, but really understanding of what got wrong and why, the misunderstanding there, you know, putting our own ideas onto somebody else's head or, you know, misunderstanding of how the life works or who we are as people, as you said in the very beginning, you know, getting angry at, at a, a clerk at the, at the uh, grocery store because they were a little bit rude to you, but you don't know why, and then creating conflict from it. It just forgiveness just looks very, very different when we come from understanding what really happened. And you know, you know what I thought of as you were talking about forgiveness? I think that the another reason why forgiveness is so powerful, and this is just like coming to me, is this idea of if one can actually step into forgiveness, and I think about myself, and I'm all I'm always, I, I will always be the first to apologize. No problem about it. I have nothing about that. I know I make mistakes. I know I mess up all the time. And so if I'm, if I'm willing to see forgiveness, what that also means is that I'm also willing to take responsibility. Mm. And as you both know, and hopefully our listeners have realized for themselves as well, is that 
Responsibility is your access to power in life. The more responsibility you take over anything and everything in your life, the more power you will have over anything and everything in your life. I want to share that little nugget that just came to me right there. Brilliant. Yeah. And absolutely see that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as you're coming closer to the, the end of this conversation, I just wanted to ask you, I mean, you said some really amazing stuff here, but is there anything else that b- before we close uh, uh, this conversation that you would like to tell people that is really, really important or something that you've learned so far in your life? A nugget of wisdom. You know, one thing that also came to me about this idea of forgiveness, I, I kind of phrase it a little bit differently. I talk about this game that we often play in life, and I'm guilty of it. I played it my whole life. It's this game called Who's Right? Mm. You ever played that game? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a game where everybody loses, right? And instead, there's lots of other games to play, and one that I like to play is make, Let's Make Life Wonderful. And it's very easy to slip into who's right. And I think forgiveness is an access to playing that other game that lets make life wonderful game. That's a wonderful, wonderful game. I love that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead of playing that who's right game that we fall into far, far too often. Yeah. That's a great way to end. Thank you. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Sorry, you were going to say something. No, I think you're going at it. Ah, okay. With the... Uh, <laughs> Uh, if you would sh- share with us, um, how can people uh, contact you? Yeah, great way to contact me. Great way to find out more about me is on my podcast. So after you're done listening to the Mind Takeaway podcast and every amazing episode that is on this podcast, then only then you can flip to my podcast. It's the Mindful Communication Podcast, where I interview experts from all over the world, the world around the art and science of connection and communication. Also, you can go to my website, mindfulcommunication.me, where I have two amazing resources. The first is a four-part video training series, and that is on how to resolve any and all conflicts in your life. That's right. It's not kidding. And the second resource is the Tough Talks Made Easy tool. And the Tough Talks Made Easy tool is basically a 45-minute consultation with me where we look at a conversation. We've been talking about conversations you've been avoiding. So if today wasn't enough for you, we'll look at a conversation you've been avoiding and we'll actually break it down. We'll decode it. We'll come up with this amazing game plan. We'll come up with a roadmap for how to have this tough conversation with confidence, with ease, so you can find that peace in your life. And you can use the promo code TAKEAWAY50 for 50% off that as well. Oh, are we in the promo code then? Yeah, we'll take that. <laughs> no, but it sounds like great value. So thank you. And yeah, we'll definitely check out your podcast because I know we talked about it before. So mm. yeah, but thank you. It's been a real pleasure. Likewise. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Thank you very much for, be- for being here with us today. Thanks for listening to the Mind Takeaway podcast. If you haven't already, please support us by pressing the subscribe button. Leave us a review and share it with your friends and your wider network. Thanks again for listening. Thank you.